0: Hey, it's the Great Debates again.
1: Oh, hey. Oh, yes, yes.
0: I'm so ready. (laughs) Oh, good. Well, if you're ready, I'm ready. Let's get right into it. I'd like to suggest that we begin with a micro-debate. Let's do it. Weirdly, I'm going to have Dave King take the pro. Oh. Uh, On this top. Dave, are you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. The top is funky is a bottom 5%
1: word. I'm Dave King, and I'm taking the pro funky. Even just saying it makes me a little queasy. funky as a word has a lot of problems. Uh, let's begin with the actual enunciation of it. You have to start with an F, and then there's this awkward unk in it. It sounds a little bit like a curse word. That never does anybody any favors. Another problem about the word funky is its ambiguity. What does it mean? To some people, funky has a positive connotation. To other people, it has a negative connotation. And on top of that, it often depends what, you're t- what the adjective is describing to Determine whether it's a positive or negative connotation. A funky groove in a song usually has a positive connotation, whereas a funky smell is usually a negative connotation. That's a bad, that's the to me the sign of a bad word. Most importantly, the word funky, if you just think about like the type of subcultures and the like the usage of the word, it's just gross. There's just something off color about it it makes you kind of gives you a little pit in your stomach it makes you none of whatever you're talking about if someone describes it as funky i would say that you want to end the conversation right there i don't want to talk about anything that's being described as funky it's like a deal breaker of conversations whether it's a smell a a, a guitar riff I don't, I, or a person. Oh, this is a real funky dude. I don't want to hang out with that guy. I don't know what you mean by that, but it's not something that I'm attracted to. Funky is a bottom 5% word.
2: Okay. Some, I'm Steve Healy. I'm taking the con unusually for me. Sometimes in a debate, you feel a little bit weird because it seems like the person making the other case just basically made your case. And I feel like that's the case here with funky. Punchy sound, Absolutely punchy sound, no question. Dave, uh, it's a matter of taste. He doesn't seem to like the sound. I think it's kind of a cool sound, funky. Say it. Tell me that doesn't. if you've never heard this word before, that doesn't have a sort of explosive, uh, poppy kind of fun to just its sound. Say it to a person who doesn't know any English and see how they react. I think they'll be kind of intrigued by just the sound of the word. That was Dave's first argument. Second is the ambiguity of meaning, which I think is one of the great strengths of funky. You know, some wine could be funky. Let me tell you, I have a glass of wine that's a little funky. Okay, it could that could mean we should send it back. It could mean it's kind of intriguing, but you have to be in the right mood. It could be uh, sort of maybe it's turned bad. I'm not sure. It could be it's playful, it's fun, it's adventurous. I don't know. Uh, you know, funky is got this great quality of ambiguity. Funky music, play that funky music. Is could be A terrible fun, song. Could be interesting funky person again it could be a funky person could be very interesting could be intriguing you tell me my friend john is coming over kind of a funky dude okay i'm a little excited i'm a little intrigued i know i'm not gonna be bored maybe he'll be off-putting or something maybe he'll be kind of you know in the spirit of funk music which i don't think dave would Argue is anything other than a very cool, fun subgenre of music that uh, exists uh, to give pleasure and create dancey, kind of fun situations and created a lot of legends. I don't but know why not fun- Dave That's would- not funky.
1: Sure, that's funky f- music f- is absolutely no, that's not music. funk. Yeah. How does this funk. music sound?
2: It's pretty funky. Uh, I think you're going to like it.
1: Generally, funk music is not what we're discussing. We're not discussing the word funk. Unfortunately for you, funk music is going to
2: have to come up in a conversation of the word funky. Now, Also, are are we talking about the bottom 5% of words? That's just absurd. I just idly came up with grub- Lard, mucus—all much worse words, much evocative of much worse things. They Those sound a much. Those are words. That doesn't mean that they're, they're bad. They're both gross and not very. good They're not but very they're all, uh, illustrative. They're kind of like.
1: Uh, uh, they're far more sounding illustrative words. than funs. you're confusing ambiguity with words that have that have multiple meanings. Yeah, yeah. It's ambiguous. Well, I think a word it could have, have multiple, multiple meanings, meanings. It could has, have
2: ambiguous meaning, and and both are valid and powerful in contained within funky. Uh, funky is well, a powerful, rich word. It, it's it's good at evoking all kinds of things and scenarios as you explained it's good at uh, explaining phenomena that are difficult to describe in other words so it's you valuable in that sense you yourself said that it,
1: that when you use the funky to describe a wine you don't know what you're you don't know what it means But that your depending argument all context, I'm it could be go, very go, clear don't interrupt me please i'm talking i'm speaking Funny <laughs> reference camelaus <Kamala> your argument's good will, dude. Your argument rested on the idea that, like, it's the intriguing. What does he mean by "funky"? That makes it uh, yeah. that makes "funky" an interesting yeah. word. Well, now you're trying to tell us that it's actually that uh, that that's um, that's not what it is about it. And I don't even remember what you were I'm sorry, saying. What was your because problem? it was boring. So, no, funky know. is
2: a cool, evocative word. Depending on its context, it could have a rich array of meanings. That, to me,
1: suggests a very powerful English word. That's what but we here's love the problem about English. And, and I realize I'm going back a little bit on what I said earlier, okay. but it's not You yourself pointed out that it's not just the context that mean, that allows it to have different words. Even within one context, like you said, this wine is a little funky. That can mean multiple things. I value clarity. In words, clarity and, um, can be good, yes. but funky. Okay, let me say. Let me tell you. I had this
2: lemonade today. How was it? It was a little funky. Okay, that's a cl- very clear and interesting and evocative no, description. Why, of that why lemonade. is it? It, it, doesn't it doesn't mean sweet, it doesn't mean it means probably a little uh, maybe slightly effervescent but in an unpleasant way maybe You're making the opposite argument
1: bit. to what you said before. Earlier when it was describing wine you were like, oh, what does that mean? It could mean that it was a little, does that mean that it's yes. this, does that mean that it's yes. that, and now you're saying In oh, the context the of lemonade wine, is the word like can mean some, something,
2: in the context of we're lemonade, lemonade it can mean something you know else. Exactly That's a powerful cool to word. The Dude, you are, you're like fighting the whole idea of English to have your word Fit into these tedious little categories where everything means exactly what it means. We wouldn't be but the no, richest in Polish. language I'm in the not, world uh, no, no, if we no. didn't have
1: words like funky. It- it's not about English it's about language and the whole uh, the, yes i am defending the notion of language that suggests that words should have a consistent meaning you know sometimes and, and we get that topics mean sometimes we get me let,
2: let me speak for a second sometimes we get topics from listeners and they they just don't work as topics because clearly what they are is just the listener expressing their opinion of something they don't like and i think that's what happened with this topic here you don't like the word funky Good for you. Congratulations. But it doesn't make for a very valid debate because I can easily make the case that funky is a powerful, rich, evocative, poetic, potent uh, uh, word that can be applied in a lot of different scenarios, in a lot I of different ways. That. And
1: th- that's the, I the, the power had. and beauty you of know, funky. But- Healy, the truth is that I don't mind the word funky that much. I just think it's a bad word. You know, a lot of people, like, we, we've talked about how hack it is for people to say that, like, oh, I hate the word moist and yeah. that kind of thing. And I've heard the word funky come up in those conversations where, like, oh, I hate the word funky. okay. okay.
2: So this is both but, a hacky and a personal... You know, matter of personal taste. No, I'm kind trying of to explain
1: topic. to you that no, it is hacky, but it's not personal. Is it, it, let me be clear about that. I don't mind hearing the word funky to describe something, but I think it's a bad word. It doesn't like necessarily make me go. It's not like I have a bugaboo about the word funky. I know some people do, but Here's I think it's a bad word. word. It,
2: it, generally, what it means is like something a little off, or unusual. That could be good, could be bad. Depends on the context, right? Somebody who's funky is not going to be normal mainstream bro. Wine that's funky isn't going to taste like regular ordinary alcoholic grape juice. It's going to be a little bit off, a little bit strange, and depending on the context, that could have any variety of meanings. I think it's wonderful that we have a word that summarizes something that's a little bit... uh, just twisted oh, that, a little bit. Then go ahead. Uh, you know what? He li- Go ahead
1: and use the word "funky" liberally in your conversation and see how it pans out for you. That's my closing. I mean, statement.
2: I, it, it has a slightly
1: <laughs> dated quality, but again, I think that's kind of fun. It
2: can be suggestive of a sort of seventies. If you're going to make edits
1: for me after I finish my closing statement, <laughs> oh, fantastic. Oh, we were close. Please. Over? All right. Well, I made my closing statement, and then you started. Then you could take. I continue to, to have fun thinking pro. about the word "funky,"
2: but let's throw it to Medina.
0: I oh God, you know, th- it's hard to get away from the from the notion of clarity. <laughs> Thank you in a word. Um, and I do think it's a it maybe is a lazy man's word for something that is takes longer and is harder to describe. but, what I so like about Healy's, shorthand.
2: I mean, isn't that what a word is for? <laughs> well, <laughs> to, what to I was get about across to say, a concept that would be too long to describe otherwise.
0: <laughs> maybe, yeah. What I liked about uh, Healy's argument is it suggests that the word can be used as an opening gambit for maybe a more interesting conversation. But what I was trying to imagine is on the page, without the um, the person's body language or tone of voice, what is that word? mean okay on do?
2: the page let's say i say uh, janine lived in a funky little townhouse in san francisco does that evoke something of course <laughs> yes okay. a lot uh, 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 i
1: i guess like i don't want to read that book or visit that <laughs>
2: <whole>. <laughs> you know a lot about janine just from the sentence i told you i
1: uh, i don't know
2: C- consider that consider janine lived in a townhouse in san francisco You hardly Uh know anything about Janine. Funky has done a
1: huge amount of work. That's a great word. You can't uh, just removing the word doesn't mean that it's somehow (laughs) yes. Like you have to replace it with a different word. With
2: five letters, I've added a huge amount of meaning to uh, what we're saying.
0: Again, I think it's just an opening gambit. We don't know anything about the quality of the funkiness. We just know that there's something afoot
2: yeah okay, I mean, there which should is, be more which about is genuine. useful,
0: which is a useful shorthand, you're right, but is it like are we am I tired of hearing that word used to describe wine? Yes
2: yeah, it's mm. it, it's been abused in the wine industry for sure, <laughs> but even then, you know it tells you a lot, doesn't it? if I yeah. if you come over, I Dan, I've got a funky wine, you know exactly yeah, what drink I'm let's drink
0: that one that's the one I want to drink for sure. <laughs> it is.
1: Yeah, don't but don't you think it's? Just, I, I, I don't know if we're in host chat or not, but <laughs> don't you think? Don't you think you could also can't you also picture someone saying like, "Oh, um, I, uh, sir, here's the wine." The waiter says, and you taste. it, You go like, "Oh, I, I'm I'm sorry to be difficult, but I, I think this wine is a little funky."
0: Well, we have a good word <laughs> for that, and that word is I think this wine uh, is turned. I think this wine might have turned. That's a great word. And it's. And it would be better if somebody said that. (laughs) What? You put
2: this in the bottom 5% of words. It's not like. (laughs) I
1: I didn't do that. The topic did. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So then the waiter has to ask what's her name who says that the wine is a little funky. Uh, he, He has to say, or she has to say, is it a good funky or a bad funky?
2: Has it turned or is it just a little funky?
1: Have you guys ever – how often, if ever, have you guys sampled wine at a restaurant and, like, insisted that it had turned?
2: I'm waiting for the opportunity. never happened.
1: I think it's
0: happened, like, once in my life.
1: I did. I've had it happen once. I was with someone. uh, This was maybe, I don't know, 12 years ago in New York or something. We were at a pretty nice restaurant. We were both high – so that might have been a problem, and we both were like, "Oh, yeah, I think this wine like is bad." And then we asked the waitress to taste it, and she was like, "Nope, it's fine." Uh, we were like, uh, "Okay, all right, uh, <laughs> you're probably right." I That's a crummy
2: <laughs> move to me. That should be a no questions asked. Of course, whatever, eat that one, fine. For the waitress to be like, "No, you guys are wrong. It's good. Drink it." <laughs> it's rude. You, I guess she may have been totally waitress, right, though.
0: Maybe some of our listeners out there who are in the service industry could mm-hmm. let us know, are Are you, like, encouraged to take care of the customer's arguably subjective experience? Or is there, like, a, hey, you know, you got to press the wine, like, keep it on the table. We can't mm-hmm. have that wine coming back. Dave, do you think do you the, the waitress knew you were high? Yes. Oh, that's a great question. Pr- yeah. Maybe.
2: Was that a little maybe. bit like these guys are high. They're losing it. I just got to calm them down. Yeah. That and actually, maybe be. she was doing you a favor. The wine's fine. Guys, mm-hmm. enjoy your dinner.
0: <laughs> right.
2: Don't be paranoid. <laughs> about it. Don't and what, like, freak like Did you continue out. drinking it and it was fine?
1: I, we probably finished a, whatever glass and a half each or something and left a little. I don't I really don't remember. Who are you with? Um, I was with my ex-girlfriend. Cool. Yeah. We, what?
2: We're in host chat. Do we want to get out? Where are we moving? Oh, yeah. Do we have well, I'd love to get
1: out now? Okay.
2: <laughs> I feel like we haven't had a true host chat in a while. I did want to do a quick check-in on just what everybody's been up to, how we're doing.
0: Oh, yeah. Medina, yeah. let's start
2: with you. How's it going?
0: Yeah. I I think it's all kind of holding together. I I um. I can't complain about my situation, which is a great one.
2: Nice.
0: Uh, but I, I was sort of talking to Healy before we got started. I'm really lucky to have two kids who are like at the age where the pandemic is kind of the best thing that could have ever happened to them.
1: Mm-hmm. Meaning you know, they're not yet in school. They'd be
0: home all the time anyway. And kind of having thing. us around is really uh, yeah. en- enriching and good. So that's been neat. I've also had a lot of time to work on my... um. Pizza game.
1: I love that.
0: You know, we've been um, trying to do pizza. For a while, we were doing it every week. Now it's every other week. I have, as a wedding gift, we were given a wood-burning pizza oven, blah, blah, blah. So I like work on the dough and the, the different techniques and getting the measurement just right and the kneading and the sauce and blah, blah, blah. It's a very finite number of elements to try to make something that's got a beautiful... Uh, flavor and texture and the cooking and all of that and the what's your best
1: one tip for our listeners at home who are trying to make pizza what's your best to
0: ask the same question and let's put it for
2: the intermediate pizza man not the not the beginner
0: okay well the my best tip is a is to get a book (laughs) called the uh, i swear to god okay to get a book called the elements of pizza by ken Forkish, he's the guy in Portland who does Ken's Ours and Pizza. And I would be nowhere without this book. And the wow. reason that I suggest this as my one tip is that making pizza is a myriad of different, like, micro adjustments. And this, the many pages in this book help you understand, like, how they all play together. Did a okay, guy named Ken
2: Forkish kind of have to go into the food biz? Mm hmm.
0: Mm hmm. <laughs>
2: Dave, um, what about
1: you? What have you been up to? Um, You know, not much. Things are pretty quiet around here. Esther's in Montreal for a month. Um, so I, it's pretty much just me and Donut um, just doing work and playing online poker. We've been doing some gardening, and that's really fun. Mm-hmm. To I get saw more your tomatoes online, Dave. How did yeah, they turn out? Yeah, we got some great tomatoes. We got some bell peppers. We got the basil and the chocolate mint is just awesome. Flourishing, just going crazy. And that's really exciting. We got a sort of surprise second round chocolate of zucchinis. It's like a through. variety yeah. Of mint? yeah, it's a variety of mint. And it really does smell like chocolate mint. It's ooh, like ooh. a, yeah, it's really cool. Um, and it, it really, um, really took off. I'm not quite sure what to do with it other than just like, you know, put it in some coffee or something like that. Um, Wait, what? But yeah. You put the chocolate mint in coffee? Yeah, you can do that, sure.
2: How about crumbled in, like, some vanilla ice cream? Is that good?
1: Yeah, that would be good. That would be cool. Um, Donut, what else are we up to? Taking walks. I don't know. It's pretty boring around here. Mm-hmm. Healy, talk to us. What boring you got? Boring
2: times, no question. Reading a lot. Uh, dove into some Faulkner. Riding my bike constantly. Uh, gardening. Oh, I love that. Nice. Yeah. It's been kind of a good time, in a way, in the abstract, if you take away the the, the, the tedium of not being able to, like, see people in quite the same way or randomly go to a restaurant or stumble into a bar or something
1: what's the this. furthest distance you've biked from your home
2: i went uh well, from my house to ucla is a pretty good ride
1: oh wow yeah
2: go down there i went down to the beach one night that was epic that was probably
1: uh oh that's nice long... man
2: i mean that's nothing to a serious biker but for me it was an accomplishment
1: and can you just let the listeners know your exact address so they can at home look to see how many miles? I, I I'm live kidding.
2: a far bike from the beach. So if you're looking for me, that's where you find me.
1: <laughs> I think okay. we should hit up another top. Yeah, yeah, why not? It sounds
0: like everybody's doing pretty good. I'm not worried about us right now, so we're going to debate. Okay, this one's approvable. Ooh, And oh. I'm going to have Steve Lee take the pro. Okay. Healy's taking the pro? Yeah. Okay. And after I've heard the debate, we're we're gonna look up the answer. Great. But not before. Uh, Healy, are you ready? Yes, I am. <clears throat> Sandra Bullock grew up south of the Mason Dixon line.
2: Okay, I'm Steve Healy. I'm taking the pro on Sandra Bullock growing up south of the Mason-Dixon line. Before we begin, I I will just state my priors, which are like, uh, maybe, I have a vague idea that maybe she grew up in like Georgia, Tennessee, or upstate New York. If I had to bet in a casino, I would put chips on those three and hope for the best, but I, I don't know the answer.
1: Okay, so can can we wait? Sorry, Healy, before you dive in, I think maybe we should. I'd like to get my priors out of the way, and also we might need to stipulate a couple things. Yeah. Um, I really, I have no, I I can't think of any prior that I have in terms of where she grew up. I have no knowledge of anything that I can think of, Mm -hmm. Um, but I am concerned about the possibility that she grew up in the West. And if so, mm-hmm. does like the mm-hmm. Southwest count as south of the Mason Dixon line? Or are we saying south of the Mason Dixon line only up to the Mississippi River I or think, something? Yeah, like
2: that. goes to West Texas. I, I think right? it's, this is a tough one. I think I'm taking the pro, and it has to be yeah. south, true south of the Mason Dixon line can't be west of the Mississippi River. Okay, that's even. fine. But if she oh, grew, maybe, so, Why don't you give me she, Texas? Yeah. Give me the state of Texas, will you? I know East that's and not west know Texas. really.
0: East and West Texas. Okay, yeah, I'm give me do.
1: Texas east of like uh Dallas.
0: <laughs> well, whatever the, you know. No, no. Healy, look, you can have Texas.
1: You can have you can have the Mason-Dixon line manifest destiny all the that. way cuz if she grew up in
2: Arizona it doesn't matter, you know. It's not mm-hmm. south of the
1: Mason-Dixon line truly. We're not drawing
2: okay. an uh, uh, infinite Mason-Dixon line. What if she grew up in Australia? Okay, yeah.
0: Okay, I, I think so we're gonna he,
2: say that the South, you know, did Sandra Bullock grow up in basically the former Confederacy? That's what we're really oh, okay, working.
1: all right, great, right, okay, okay, so okay, good. good. I'm right, uh, sure, Steve Healy, I'm ahead. taking the pro. I
2: think Sandra Bullock grew up south of the Mason Dixon line. Here's how we know <laughs> she has a range of American accents, she does not have uh, she does not project anything like class or fanciness, she projects. Everyday, workaday Americanness. And that has largely come to mean a kind of border state vibe or a North Carolina kind of vibe. She seems kind of athletic. She seems kind of all American. And those are all qualities we would associate with the good old South. She can play those Southern roles. I don't, at the top of my head, I'm not able to summon any John Grisham roles she's been in, but I think you could easily see her playing a Mississippi district attorney in a uh, John Grisham kind of Time to Kill or something like that. She could play uh, the wife of a convicted murderer who's from uh, Mississippi or something, and you just can't pull that off if you grew up in New York City or San Francisco. Sandra Bullock grew up the 100 hunting fishing you can feel that in her vibe you can feel that in her performance she grew up in the woods she's familiar with truck kind of folks she went to high school football games you get all that from her performances she's a good actress but not so great that she would be able to fake any of that she has a kind of um, American vibe that comes from being south of Mason Dixon line that's my case for Sandra Bullock
1: Okay, my best case, my best one piece of evidence that she didn't grow up from, uh, that she grew up north of the Mason-Dixon line is the film The Blind Side, in which to me it is pretty clear, or at least I would guess, that she is affecting a southern accent as mm-hmm. opposed to representing her mm. actual southern accent. And I mm. believe that that's supposed to take place um, out, like in or outside Memphis, if I recall from the book. Yeah. So to me, like... If you consider that role versus her other roles, to me, that is the outlier. That's the one where she's using an accent. And if she were from south of the Mason-Dixon line maybe not Maryland, but, like, at least, you know, North Carolina, Virginia, Tennessee, certainly, that accent should uh, sound uh, more authentic, and it would come out in her other films. The other movies that come to mind when you think of Sandra Bullock are, like, Speed, which takes place in L.A., he- The Heat, which takes place in Boston, of all pl- I think, of, if I'm not mistaken. So, like, Healy, you said you weren't able to think of John Grisham movies and stuff that take place in the South, or where she plays someone from the South, and I think there's good reason for that. Like to me, I wouldn't be surprised if she was from Ohio, uh, somewhere in the Midwest or Pennsylvania. I, she doesn't strike me as a New York person, but I could be wrong. Um, when we're talking Sandy Bullock, like I think you're right. You, that is in all there is an all-Americanness to her, but I don't think that it's a Southern all-Americanness. Like Reese Witherspoon is all-American. But she's mm. clearly a Southern. So
2: Reese clearly in leans into Sandy the Catholic Southern visit. thing. She was in Sweet Home, Alabama. I mean, I don't want to interrupt you, Dave. Are you done with your with your argument?
1: Yeah, go ahead. Yes, certainly she was, a, yes, of course she was in Sweet Home Alabama, but first of all, there was a reason she was in Sweet Home Alabama, and on top of that, she, even in her other performances, has a bit of a Southern accent, there's a, she can't, like, even in, um, uh, what's it called, uh, Legally Blonde, there's a bit of a, a southernness to her, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there's Isn't a Southern sort of like Belle quality I there. I thought she was doing like a, a r- Valley Girl sort of thing in that one. Well, regardless of what she may have been trying to do, I think she comes off as a southern belle. Let me uh, pick up
2: the argument the pro South of the Mason Dixon line argument for Sandra Bullock. I think that certainly there's a, she hasn't leaned into the Southern character the way Reese Witherspoon did. It's not just Sweet Home Alabama and maybe Legally Blonde. I'm not willing to give that as a Southern role. maybe. but I'm not saying it's a Southern role. I'm saying she presents as Southern. Reese Witherspoon also wrote a book called Whiskey in a Teacup. That was sort of about the like Southern, you know, bless your heart kind of attitude. And, uh, Uh, she's she's created a brand for herself that is southern associated sandra bullock i think possibly as a professional choice has sought to broaden her vibe and plays it a little bigger but i don't think that takes away from her being from the south i think that's a Not uncommon thing for an aspirational, ambitious young woman from the South to do, to lean into the all-American thing rather than lean (laughs) into the Southern thing. It's merely a career choice. And I think you could argue that Sandra Bullock has done very well making that choice, playing broader rather than playing to her specific Southern roots. Now, Dave mentioned the blind side, and she does lean into a character there but i think it's a little bit uh, negative of sandra bullock as an actress to say that she's overdoing a particular southern accent and that she must not be from the south because of that role i think she's playing a particular character in a particular place within the south a memphis kind of go get sort of woman and if i'm not mistaken she either won or was nominated for an
0: oscar for well, she that did role. win the oscar so for that, she, but she was okay. also
2: derided for her accent so too. pretty good choice there by her but i think that could easily be the kind of choice you'd make as a georgia girl playing a memphis bossy mom type and actually i think those are the people who might overdo the accent i sometimes think boston actors overplay their boston accents because they're so uh committed to that kind of thing and i think that it could be argued that this is evidence that sandra bullock is from somewhere else in the south that she kind of over exaggerates the the memphis thing she's doing in the blind side this could be the it kind of be, thing where she went be. into the audition we don't like, know. i'm from north carolina i can do this no problem or even i'm from east tennessee i can do this no problem but then she's leaning into a sort of parody that she may even be familiar with of a
1: kind of memphis uh rich woman yeah, to me that would ring true more if she were an actress an actress who in other movies it sounded a little bit like she was from the South, much like in other movies the Affleck brothers, Matt Damon, sound a little yeah, bit yeah. like they're Consider from Boston. Krasinski
2: and uh, uh, Rachel Dratch or whoever did that Boston – I might be confusing Rachel Dratch, but was she in a Boston commercial about a Honda and they had to move the car – Right? Yes, well, of course and they're overplaying it. That was a using, sketch about
1: being in
2: Boston. Yeah, but they highly exaggerated their Boston thing in a way that they knew wasn't accurate and, frankly, to me, was a little bit dishonest. And I think it's possible that what we saw in Sandra's role in a commercial. Blindside was something like Did that. Did you think that, that was like was, a documentary about their accents? I think it was a little – and, Dave, you and I discussed this off-air, but it was also – there's a slight class hmm. issue there where these are like highly educated people from greater Boston – Doing a lower class Boston accent—it's a little bit disrespectful. Okay, neither here nor there, but it's very possible. Sandra Bullock seeing Sandra—I don't know—Sandra Bullock seeing the role as okay Memphis. Uh, The woman who's Uh, got kids in private school.
1: I, I made my point about the blind side. I'd like to move on to something else, which is that, like, I feel like generally speaking, when an actor or actress is from the South, it's generally something that you are able to recall about them. And I feel like if if Sandra Bullock were from the South, either you or I would be able to go like, oh, yeah, isn't she from whatever? Like, for example, just now I was thinking about, like, well, who are other who are other people that I know are from the South? I'm like, oh, well, Jennifer Lawrence, I know she's from the South because she was in Winter's Bone at a really young age. And it was like, oh, they got someone Southern to play that Southern role. This is, kind of, so, this is like a very
2: I, flawed, logical argument because you're just talking about people who deliberately identified and made a choice to present as Southern or oh, made it cool, part cool, of the backstory of
1: their role. Quite it, the it contrary. Is, I don't think Jennifer Lawrence at all is playing up her Southernness, And if anything, she's I think Winter's she's Bones. playing more so in
2: interviews she's going to say, like, of course, I can nail it because I'm from Kentucky. It, which, by the way, is above the Mason-Dixon line, I believe. Anyway, that's— Kentucky? J- that's Jennifer, yeah, isn't
1: Jennifer Lawrence from— Oh, the I don't Kentucky? think you know where the Mason-Dixon line is.
2: Yeah, isn't it under— uh, Kentucky's above the Mason-Dixon oh, line. Oh man, I'm I not going to
1: tell you where the Mason-Dixon oh, line is because-, because Pennsylvania <laughs> and Maryland. All right, all right, sorry.
2: Okay. Wow. Moving on. wow,
1: you were leaving like four states on the table. Fine, on give me an extra state. doesn't window. matter if
2: I know right or wrong. As this long as this guy, how, how could you let
1: this guy win the debate? He didn't even know where the Mason-Dixon line is. That's my right, closing argument. What an atrocity. <laughs> this whole time, Healy didn't even know the so-called the so-called American history buff, <laughs> didn't know where the Mason-Dixon line is. Therefore, he doesn't know okay, whether the Sandra Bullock is. I, a, oh yeah, I just a, want to refute Dave's argument, which is, yes, actresses who are
2: from the South make a point of talking about about it when they're in particular roles, but that's a self-selecting oh, sample. It's not that they make a point of talking about saying, actresses him. that we know are from the South, actresses that talk are from, the actresses we know are from the South talk about the South all the time. Yes, yeah, some of them do, because it works for them and that's what they're doing. Sandra Bullock wanted a bigger role. She wanted those heat kind of roles. She wanted uh, those speed kind of roles. So she played herself up as American. That doesn't tell us anything, Medina. I, I kind of just mm. wanted the answer.
0: Yeah, I know I do too.
1: I, what's the answer? So
0: like, I was very, uh, I thought heels that you made a great argument about her, her desire to just appear as sort of blandly American. (laughs) Um, but this the blindside thing really gnawed at me most of the debate. And I'm glad that you tried to kind of take a little bit away <laughs> from Dave there and that you really attacked that because I think you felt that was your weak point because it's a compelling argument. Yeah. I don't know. It's also the only, this, a, let's
2: be honest. It was the only real argument that came it's his off. only
0: <laughs> argument. <laughs> it was the only argument on either side.
2: Everything else was a bunch of <laughs> horseshit.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: So... <laughs> Okay, I've looked, oh, did you, so did you pick a winner? No. Oh, well, would you like to pick a winner of the debate before we find out what the truth is? Well, I think the bad accent I'm going to go with. So we'll let Dave win. Okay. (laughs) And now, Healy, did you look up where she's from? I know the answer I haven't looked at Okay. She is from, or at least was born in... Arlington, Virginia, which oh, is yes. south the of the Mason Dixon line. But, <laughs> Fascinating. Th- and I think, I think actually that kind of speaks to why this topic somehow <laughs> rang true as a good topic because it's like she is from somewhere like close to the Mason Dixon line. on the sure. line. Yeah. Well, she's south of the line, but she is, I would say, on the line of what people consider to be the south.
2: Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Um,
1: sure. Now it, there are some other little wrinkles here. Uh, her father; she was kind of like an army brat, and she, her. Um, oh, she, I wish yeah, I that, that makes argument. so much sense. For twelve years, army she brat. was raised in Nuremberg, Germany, and Vienna and Salzburg, and she grew up speaking German. Oh, so, cool. but she <laughs> did go to Washington Lee High School. And then she went to East Carolina University. Oh, okay. so she went to high school in Arlington, Virginia, and then she went to college in Greenville, North Carolina.
2: <laughs>
1: wow! And then she moved to Manhattan. So there you go, Sandy. That's Sandy B. That's Sandy B. For you.
2: Wasn't like, I didn't want to get into this because it's a bit slanderous, but wasn't there some member of her family that was involved in some kind of like neo-Nazi something?
1: Oh well, wasn't she dating Jesse here. James? Maybe wasn't that me. Jesse? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't <laughs> think there was a reason to bring that up. No, I mean, <laughs> but no, I have. in the debate. I mean, <laughs> in the yeah. debate, no. Yeah. Oh. oh, they were married. They were. <laughs> they were married. Sandra Bullock was Jesse James' third wife. Ooh. Several women claim to have had affairs with James during his marriage to Bullock. So, yeah, that gets kind of sad. And, of course, there's the neo-Nazi thing. Anyway, I think we're done here. Yeah, that's good.
2: <laughs> that's enough on that topic. So, Healy was right
0: here. Well, he was, yes. Yeah, Healy does was that right. matter?
2: Inapprovable? I don't know.
0: No, does it doesn't. I mean, it's, it's interesting to look back I was, I was back assigned it.
2: to the right side.
0: Yeah. Um, what, no, I just mean you were right about the accent stuff. Yeah, she's she got a southern actually. adjacent. Um, I don't know. I had fun again. Yeah, I had a Great time. Yeah, I always do. I mean, there's been a few that were a drag. I can't even remember what they were, but almost. No, this is good. 100. You know, it's the fun.
2: ones that are drag, a drag. You kind of look back on them with fondness, you know.
0: Sure, sure. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's, it's like live. It's like when you were living in a crappy apartment in New York, yes. and you go, "Ah, oh, those are the it's days." I miss the most. Sending back
2: lines because it's too funky.
1: Ah, yeah, those were the days. (laughs) I'm so stoned. I think this wine is funky.
0: (laughs) Okay, guys. Well, um, on that note, I think we'll leave you here, and we'll see you next week. The Great Debates is produced by Mark Caricello. The theme song was composed by Christopher Knight. The debaters are Steve Healy and Dave King, and the podcast is moderated by Dan Medina.